This is a message from the ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. So, making good choices. I think some of us, I think many of us, would love to, you know, have someone who, who is always there to give a good advice, you know, whatever decision we are about to make, whatever choice we are about to make, we always would like to have someone who gives us an objective, unopinionated opinion. But most of the times when we are about to take bad decisions, we're not really looking for someone like that. We, most of the times when we are about to take a bad decision, we think that we know what we are doing. And imagine having a voice like Siri all the time there and reminding you of your bad decisions and critiquing your choices. Now that would not feel that good, would it? But the thing is that the Bible tells that God sees everything. God knows everything. And whatever choices and decisions you make and take, God sees all. And frankly, if you're a Christian, if you're a born-again believer, most of the times he's there telling you that this is not the right, this is not the right decision. You should, not, you should not do this. The Holy Spirit, that's what he is doing. But you know how we are? Sometimes we ignore that because we think we know better. I know what I'm doing. I don't need God telling me what to do. Well, the topic today is pretty much related to this because we are going to talk about making choices, taking decisions, and we are going to talk about how those things are related to a topic in a Bible that is called the fear of the Lord. Because today we are, talking, we are starting a new series, which is called The Fear of the Lord. And today we are going to have uh, our little chat focused on this question. How is the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom? And how is the fear of the Lord related to my choices and my decisions in life? Well, I know that it sounds a bit heavy, but don't worry. We are going to break it down so it's going to be easy to chew on. So we are going to focus on one specific Bible verse for this chat, and it's coming from uh, the book of Proverbs, from chapter 9, verse 10, which says the following. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. All right. So why don't we start first by breaking down this word fear? Because I know that some of you now might be thinking, fear? It's like when I watch a scary movie, that kind of fear. But I'm not talking about that kind of fear tonight or today. We are not talking about being scared, like if you would be like when you saw a ghost or something. This is a different flavor of fear. You see, when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, it's like having a big ball of respect, awe, and awareness all mixed together. And imagine, imagine this scenario. You're about to take a big test. I'm pretty sure that some of you, you know, that's actually a really recent memory for most of you. But imagine this, you're about to take a big test and the teacher is walking around the room, you know, checking on everyone. And you want to do best, right? You're aware of the teacher's presence and it makes you focus, makes you stay focused. And that's, that's a little bit kind of like the fear of the Lord. In simple terms, fearing God means being super aware that God, our loving Father in heaven, is always watching us. And he's not just clocking in and out, he's continually invested in what we are doing, thinking, or saying. 
Uh, there's a cool verse in the Bible. It comes from uh, Matthew 12, verse 36, that says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account in the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Now, I know that at first you might think, wait, how is this cool? Actually, this is not that cool. But I think it's cool because this verse, in my opinion, is not, is not meant to scare us, but is to make us think twice about what we say or what we do. God cares that much about our lives. And also, don't forget the book of Psalms. In Psalms 139, verse 2, it says, You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. And this just underlines the fact that God is always tuned into what's going on with us, like a best friend who can finish your sentences. So the next time you hear the fear of the Lord, think of it as a 24-7 awareness that God, our Heavenly Father, is watching over us. Not to catch us messing up, that's important, he's not doing that, but because he genuinely cares and wants the best for us. And then, my friends, is the starting line on the journey towards wisdom. Now, let's talk a bit more about this idea of fear in the Bible, because in the, in the Bible, this word can have a couple of different uh, meanings in different situations. For example, sometimes it's, it's about being afraid. It's, it's like when you're facing danger. Uh, that's what the Bible refers to in Deuteronomy chapter 2, 25, where we read uh, what the Lord says here. This very day I will begin to put the terror and fear of you on all the nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and will tremble and be in anguish because of you. Now here it talks about the terror one feels in frightening situations. Here the Lord is saying to, to the nation of Israel that all these people around you when you go into the promised land, I'm going to make them afraid of you. They are going to be terrified. That's this, that's this kind of fear. That's one, one meaning of this word. Now in, in other places, this word can also have the meaning of a, of a kind of respect, that kind of fear. Like how an employee respects a good boss. In the Bible, Joshua 24, 14 speaks to this. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And this is urging us to serve God with a sense of deep respect and faithfulness. But when we talk about fearing the Lord, it's, it's like, you know, we are blending all these things together into one richer concept. It's, it's, you know, it's all like when you, see, when you see something really beautiful. I'm not sure how, how much attention you paid the last couple of days to, to the beautiful sky that we had during the night. I don't know if you saw the, the, the full moons that we had a couple of nights. It was amazing. It was so beautiful. And that's, that's an awe-inspiring image. And God is the same. He is inspiring awe because he's just so beautiful. And then also respect, like for someone whose advice you really trust. It could be, you know, your parent. It can be uh, uh, one of your teachers, one, your boss, whatever. Someone who you really trust and someone whom, to whom you really respect. And it's also an awareness that God, the creator of everything, is intimately involved in your life, in every single one of our lives. The prophet Isaiah, uh, in his uh, writings, captured this, you know, pretty, pretty good. He, in chapter 6, verse 5, he expressed this blend of awe and dread when he realized he was in the presence of God. 
he says in verse 5, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So to sum it up, fearing God is not about being scared of Him. That's not what it is. It's about a kind of respect and awe that's so deep that changes how you live. And this well-rounded, profound fear is the foundation for gaining wisdom in our lives. Now, in the grand scheme of things, you know, wisdom is not just about knowing facts or, or, uh, or being clever. It's about navigating the complexities of life that aligns, you know, in a way that aligns uh, with lasting and eternal truths. And the starting point of these truths is a proper understanding and reverence for God often referred to as the fear of the Lord. Now, the Bible is, you know, full with verses that emphasize this point. One example is Proverbs 15, 33, where we read that wisdom, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. Now, this verse, this verse links the fear of the Lord directly with wisdom and tells us that humility, a recognition of our limitations and need for God, comes before honor. Without humility, without acknowledging you know, God as the ultimate authority, wisdom is unattainable. You, you cannot have wisdom without acknowledging that God is sovereign and He is the ultimate authority. Another powerful passage comes from Job 28, 28. Pretty easy to remember, right? The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. Here it's clear that wisdom is not just an intellectual exercise. It's not just a, a kind of meditation or, or, or just some, some, you know, some things that you remember. It involves moral choices. It involves making choices, a turning away from evil. Again, the baseline for making these choices is the fear of the Lord. You see, when we really get who God is, and I mean really get, who he is, his power, his justice, but also his immense love and grace for us. That realization becomes the bedrock of our wisdom. It shapes how we see the world, how we treat others, and most importantly, how we see ourselves in relation to God. If we don't start with God, we're building our life structure without a blueprint. It's like, you know, a ship without a compass, aimlessly drifting in whatever direction the winds of public opinion or personal conviction blow us. But with the fear of the Lord as our foundation, we are anchored. We are stable. We are not shaken. We have a North Star to guide us, a reliable point of reference for all the decisions that we make. So to live wisely is to live in conscious, deliberate awareness of God's presence and principles. It means that we measure our choices, our actions, and even our thoughts against what we know about God. And this is not a one-time event. This is not just something that you do once. It's a lifelong practice. Wisdom rooted in the fear of the Lord becomes a way of life. And this way of life, it's not just for us and it doesn't benefit only us. It impacts everyone around us. We have a great example for this in Proverbs 13, 20. Just look at this. Walk with, the, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffer harm. So when we build our lives on the rock-solid foundation of fearing God, we not only stand firm ourselves, 
but we also become a beacon of stability and wisdom to others. Now let's shift gears and talk a little bit about two kinds of people in the Bible often contrast, the wise and the foolish. Proverbs 1.7 really cuts to the chase. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now this is serious stuff. You know, in back in school, probably you also had some of these kids, I definitely had, those who acted like they already knew everything. You know, they wouldn't pay attention, maybe they even disrupted the class, thinking they were too cool for school. Well, in the spiritual realm, the Bible calls these folks fools. And let's be clear, the difference between the wise and the foolish isn't subtle. It's like comparing night to day. The wise person understands that the journey to true wisdom begins with a healthy respect for God. It's like they've got, they've got God's home address saved in their spiritual GPS and they visit regularly to grow and learn from God. On the other hand, the fool wants nothing to do with God. It's as if God's wisdom is in one zip code and they are saying, I'm not even driving through that neighborhood. They choose to navigate life's winding roads without any divine direction. And often they end up lost or sometimes they end up even in a ditch somewhere. And Jesus, he illustrated this vividly in the parable of the wise and foolish builders in Matthew 7. You know the story. The wise builder con constructs his house on a rock, a sturdy foundation, while the foolish, he builds on sand. And when the, life, when the storms of life hit, the house on sand falls flat. But the one on the rock, oh, that one stands firm. So the message here is that those who are wise listen to Jesus' teaching and also follows them, building a life that can withstand any storm. While the fools, well, they ignore divine instruction, choosing instead a shaky, unstable foundation. So when we are talking about wisdom, it's not just a matter of being smart or well-educated. Okay? It's about where you stand and whom you listen to. The wise person starts with God and listens to his guidance. And as a result, he builds a life that not only stands strong, but also shines as a light to others. Remember, Proverbs 9 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And guys, this, this is not just a nice saying. I said this last week as well, but you know, we have so many verses that I could, we could say this for all of them. This is not something that you just put on your t-shirt. Okay? This is important. If we genuinely want to be wise, meaning navigate life successfully, we need to start by fearing respecting, and listening to God. Now, let's address a crucial point. Can you really be wise while ignoring God? Yeah. In Romans 1, 21, 22, we get a clear answer. No, you can't. The passage says that some people try to become wise while they try to sideline God. And what happened? Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And that's a polite way of saying they missed the mark big time. You know, think of it like trying to build a car without an engine. You know, you might have the, most, the, the sleekest design, the most comfortable seats, the latest tech gadgets inside the car, but without an engine, 
I mean, that car is not going anywhere. It stays in one place. It's not moving. And similarly, you might accumulate, you know, a lot of knowledge, a lot of life hacks. You, you might have I don't, six, seven degrees on your wall. But without including God in your life equation, you're like a car without an engine. Good looking on the outside, but lacking the essential thing that makes everything run. Now it's worth noting that Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, knew what he was talking about. It's not he was talking into the air, you know. He was highly educated. He was actually trained under one of the best teachers of his time. But he came to realize that all his education was worthless compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ. In other words, wisdom that ignores God is not just incomplete, it's fundamentally flawed. It's not, it's not wisdom, actually. James, who is another writer in the New Testament, he also highlights this point. He talks about this in James 3, verse 17, where he describes the kind of wisdom that comes from heaven as, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Notice how wisdom is rooted in the qualities that reflect the nature of God. Isn't that interesting? Because when, when we sideline God, you know, we miss out on this heavenly wisdom and we settle for an inferior earthbound version that cannot hold up under life's pressure. So the takeaway here is, is simple, but I think it's profound. Ignoring God in your quest for wisdom is like leaving out the most crucial ingredient in a recipe. You might end up with something that looks okay, but it's, it's not going to be what you intended. And certainly, it will not stand the test of time. Now let's address another misconception that a lot of people had. It's, it's the idea of taming God, you know, to fit into our comfort zone. We try to tame God, we try to mold the image of God. And there's a tendency to turn God into a, a benign grandpa figure who is like all smiles and no substance. But let's be real, God isn't a fluffy bunny that you can cuddle. He is described as the Lion of Judah in the Bible, guys. You see, the moment when we try to put God in a box, make him manageable, predictable, or tame, we are setting ourselves up for failure in the wisdom department. It's like trying to cage the ocean with a sandcastle. It will not hold. And it's the same with God. God is so much bigger, so much infinitely more complex than any box we, can, we could try to put him in. And the Bible makes it abundantly clear that God is an awe-inspiring and he is not to be taken lightly. In Revelation chapter 4, 11, John has a vision of heaven which shows some creatures that are constantly praising God, saying, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Well, I don't know about you, but to me, this not looks like a scene of a cozy get-together. This is an awe-filled, knee-bowing, face-to-the-ground kind of reverence. That's, that's the God we are talking about. And also, let's not forget the story of Job. In chapters 38 through 41, God gives Job a tour of his creative power and sovereignty, reminding him, and also us, that he is the one who set the universe in motion, who controls the winds and the waves, and who knows every star by name. It's a humbling reminder that we're not dealing with a cuddly, grand fig grandfatherly figure, 
will be the almighty creator of the universe. And why is this important? Well, if you, because you can't truly respect or fear what you think you can control. A tame God may be comfortable, but that God won't push you to grow, to question, or to strive for a life of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, starts with acknowledging who God really is. Awe-inspiring, sovereign, and not to be tamed. So if you're serious about gaining wisdom, start by getting your understanding of God right. Don't tame him into manageable size. Let him be grand. Let him be awe-inspiring, all-powerful God that he is. That is where true wisdom begins. Remember, the Bible doesn't mince words about this. If you want wisdom, you have to start with a proper fear of God, acknowledging both his love and majesty. Anything less won't get you very far on the path to true wisdom. Now let's zoom in on uh, what wisdom really means, because that's, that's also an important question. Now when we talk about wisdom, it's not just about making savvy choices or avoiding bad situations. Now wisdom is more deeper than that. True wisdom is about seeing life from God's perspective and aligning our action, choices, and even our thoughts with a divine viewpoint. The Bible puts it really good in Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Notice how it emphasizes not relying solely on your own understanding? It's because our view is limited. But God, he sees the whole picture. And this idea is echoed in the New Testament as well. I mean, the, the, the passage, the words that we read from James 3.17, where we read that the wisdom from above is first pure, then uh, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. These are not just random good words. They are characteristics that mirror the nature of God himself. And when we see life through God's eyes, these qualities become the natural output of our lives. Think about it. If you're using a flawed map, eventually you are going to get lost. But if you use a perfect map, one without any kind of errors, which is God's perspective, you're going to navigate life so much more successfully. Our perspective starts to shift. What we once saw as important might become less so. And things that we overlooked might suddenly seem crucial. But here's the kicker. Until our hearts are right with God, we cannot really adopt his perspective. Just like you can see cl clearly through a dirty window, you can't see life from God's point of view with a heart that is not aligned with him. That's why the Bible tells us in Psalms 51.10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. A right heart leads to right living. And right living is the essence of true wisdom. So if you're aiming to truly be wise, if you really want to be wise, don't just seek to make good decisions. Seek to make God-centered decisions. And that starts by aligning your heart and your perspective with God's. That's where wisdom truly begins and flourishes. In summary, wisdom is not just about what we do. Right? It's, it's about how we see, how we see things. And the most accurate, beneficial way to see is through the lens of God's truth and character. 
Anything less is not true wisdom. It's just muddling through. Now, let's get practical for a moment and talk about how this fear of the Lord impacts our day-to-day uh, decision-making. When you deeply respect God, you know, aiming for his approval becomes a natural part of your decision-making. And it's like having the world's best life coach, you know, someone who knows you inside out and loves you unconditionally. And he is guiding you everywhere you go. Now, imagine this life coach has perfect vision, a flawless vision, even on the cloudiest days, like, like today. That's what it's like to have God involved in your decision-making. You know, Psalm 139, we just read the words from there. I really like it. But I think it, this, this sound really reminds us of this. If you, if you look at the first four verses, let's let just read it. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is in my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. God does not miss a beat. He knows your thoughts even before you speak them. And the idea here is not that God is some cosmic micromanager who tries to scrutinize you and just catch you when you make a mistake. No, he's more like, he's more like a loving parent. Or getting back to the picture of a coach, like a, like a dedicated coach who wants the absolute best for you. He's invested in your well-being, in your growth, and yes, in your wisdom as well. And this kind of coaching is not just theoretical. It's not just something that we talk about on Sunday and we say, hmm, that's nice. It has real-world implications. When you, fa- when you are faced with a, with, uh, with a decision, either it's big or small, you're not just thinking about what's easy or what will make you look good. You're considering what will be pleasing to God and what aligns with His values and His purposes. In other words, you are making decisions in the full light of God's perspective. In the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul encourages us to find out what pleases the Lord. And that is an active, ongoing process, not a one-time event. It's like continually checking in with your life, life coach to check if you are still on the right track. So when the fear of the Lord is your foundation, it transforms how you make decisions. You are no longer flying solo. You're making choices based on God's perspective, not on your limited perspective. You've got the creator of the universe as your life coach, providing the perfect guidance every step of the way. Now, let's wrap this up by talking about real-world perks of living a life guided by the fear of the Lord. And spoiler alert, it doesn't just prep you for the afterlife. It makes your current life a whole lot better too. Think of wisdom rooted in the fear of God as a kind of spiritual domino effect. You know, when you make a wise choice, it, positive, it positively impacts you, of course, but it doesn't stop, he- doesn't stop here. That wisdom, it flows outward to your family, to your friends, and even people you might never meet. It's like dropping a pebble in a pond. You know, when you, when you drop a pebble, it makes these waves and it just goes and goes and goes. And it's the same thing with the wisdom of the, with the fear of the Lord and His wisdom. And in the Bible, this principle is really clear. I mean, look at Proverbs 13, 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So when you are wise, people around you notice and they are influenced by your behavior. Your wisdom can serve as a beacon guiding others towards wise choices and ultimately towards God. 
And it's not just about avoiding negatives either. I mean, we could say that wisdom is about, you know, avoiding bad decisions or sinful behavior, but wisdom brings positive, tangible benefits. If you look at Proverbs 3, verses 13 and 14, it says that blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better than gold. Now, this, this is not just poetic language, guys. It's statement about the real measurable value of wisdom in our lives. And moreover, wisdom equip, equips us to be better spouses, parents, friends, and community members. You know, it's so much more easy, easier to go through, you know, the complexity of human relationships when you're guided by wisdom. It helps you to respond rather than react, to listen more than you speak, and to give more than you take. And wisdom, wisdom also brings peace. I mean, if Philippians 4, uh, 7 talks about the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, a kind of tranquility that comes when we are aligned with God's will and we are living wisely. You cannot put a price tag on that kind of peace. So while we often think about the fear of the Lord as something that prepares us, you know, for eternal life, which it does, we have to remember that it also has a here and now benefit. That, trans that can transform our daily lives and also those around us. It's like a gift that keeps on giving and giving, a positive chain reaction that starts with you but can extend so far beyond impacting your community and even the world. So in a nutshell, fearing God and living wisely doesn't just set you up for heavenly rewards. It enriches your life right here, right now. And the ripple effects of that wisdom can bring light to a world that desperately needs it. All right, guys, so let's bring it home, all these things. I think that uh, we can conclude here by asking a couple of questions. And um, I think the first question that we should ask is, if you are making decisions based on our own understanding, or am I seeking God's guidance? You know, when, when you're about to make a decision, and you're facing uh, a tough situation, what is, what is the order of priority? Okay, let's sit down, let's think, make a decision, oh, and then pray. Or is it the other way? Okay, let's pray, let's think, and let's make a decision. The second question, do I fear, which again means not being afraid, but meaning respect and revere God enough to align my life with his principles? Do I respect him enough to know that whatever he tells me to do are good for me and I'm not having the full picture. So that's why I have to fear and res respect him because I know he has the full picture. And ultimately, the, question is, the third question is also as important as the first two. How can I impact those around me positively by living a life rooted in the fear of the Lord? Because again, guys, you, you, have, to, you have to understand, we just read it from the Bible, when you are living a life filled with wisdom, it impacts everyone around you. <laughs> but in the contrast, when you're living a life of foolishness, it also impacts people because they see people are not dumb. I know some people are, but still they see, they have eyes, they, they perceive the things you do, the things you say. So you have to think, how can I impact those people around me by living a wise life, a life in, in which my wisdom is rooted in the fear of the Lord? So you have to remember, the journey to wisdom is not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. 
You know, it requires a lot of effort, a lot of humility, and an unswerving focus on God. But the benefits, well, those are eternal, but not just eternal. They are for here, right now. And also, they're not just for us, they are also for people around us. Now, I want to close with a little, um, you know, a little analogy here, a little pic picture. So, imagine having a top-of-the-line smartphone, but with no internet connection. I know for the Gen Z folks, this might seem like the end of the world. And you know, the phone can look you know, sleek, it can have all the nifty features, but without the internet, it's pretty much useless. I mean, it's mi missing the main function. It's smart, but not quite useful. And similarly, you might be smart, well-educated, or street-savvy. You might have a lot of degrees, but without the fear of the Lord, you are missing out on true wisdom. So as you go about your week, keep this in mind. The starting line for a life well-lived, a life filled with true wisdom, is the fear of the Lord. And when you start at the right place, the journey is not just rewarding, it's transformative for you and for the people around you. So why don't you make it a goal for yourself not to be smart, not just to be smart, but be more than just smart. Strive to be wise. And that starts with a healthy, reverential, Fear of the Lord. Are you in? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your grace, for your wisdom, for your goodness. You are a wise God. Holy Spirit, you are wisdom. Thank you so much that you teach us. You want to teach us, and we want to learn from you. We want to learn what true wisdom is, and we want to give our lives to you. We want you to lead us, to fill us with your wisdom that comes from above, that is peaceable, that is good to teach. Thank you so much that we can rely on you. We can rely on your promises and we can trust in you. We love you so much and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you 